The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Today's scripture is from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. Uh, you can follow along in the Bibles under your chairs or on the screen behind me. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time, at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Well, uh, Peter is uh, finishing out his letter to the churches in Asia Minor, and that's where we are right now. We're right in the, right in the middle or of his closing to them. He's kind of wrapping this up. In fact, we'll, we'll be wrapping up the series uh, two weeks from now, the end of July. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And what, what Peter's doing in this letter as he's writing to the churches and the believers in Asia Minor is that he's, he's writing them the big purpose is to help pastor these people, help pastor these churches or guide them or shepherd them through suffering, through pain. Uh, the churches and the believers in Asia Minor were suffering uh, great perse- persecution and pain. Uh, in fact, they, they were suffering because it was persecution. It was, that means they were suffering simply because they worshiped Jesus. There was no other reason. And so that's really unfair, isn't it? Like if you're, if you're a believer if you're like trying to follow Christ, if you're worshiping and you're doing everything you can to follow after him, and then on top of that, you're suffering. People are ostracizing you. They're cutting you off of business. They're turning their backs on you. Maybe even family members turning their backs on you. The government was even oftentimes against believers at this time. Like when all that is going on, even if your, your family, your livelihood, your health, maybe even your life is threatened, like it's not fair. Like you're suffering, you're hurting, and they're, they're being persecuted, they're being wrongfully treated, and it's not fair. And so Peter is writing to them as they're suffering, as they're hurting, as they're scared. It's an incredibly anxious time for them. And we're going to look at how Peter tells them to think, or how Peter tells them how to deal with these overwhelming anxieties that are swirling around like this incredible persecution and suffering and pain and pressure that they're under. And I, I don't know, like not many of us, some of us in here probably have been persecuted to some extent, but all of us in here can equate with pain and pressure and suffering, right? All of us here can equate with some sort of pain or pressure or suffering or anxiety. And that's what we're going to be talking about. That's what the passage is talking about this morning is about anxiety. And and as we start off, I know that when we talk about something like anxiety, it's going to hit very close to home for the many of us in this room who suffer from anxiety. Uh, you might be in a, a situation right now where you're under intense pressure and intense, uh, you're feeling an intense amount of anxiety, or maybe anxiety is something that you, that you deal with continually. And, and what, I, what I do want to preface what we have this morning, first of all, is just to say, like, uh, if at any point this morning it feels like I'm belittling or dealing ham-handedly with 
your anxiety and your pain and your pressure. I just want to apologize for that up front and say that is not my intention. And please stick around until we get to the end of the sermon and see like if it starts to, to make sense. But, uh, but, but if I do, and if, if, if I don't, like let's have some conversation afterwards and talk about it. But it, here's the, the assumption that I'm going into this sermon, into this passage with. And, and that is that no matter how deep and how painful many of our anxieties, many of our the pain and pressure that we deal with runs, no matter how deep and how tender that place may be, if we believe that Christianity is true, if we believe that Jesus is Lord, that he, was, that he is the God-man who suffered on our behalf and paid for our sin debt and was risen, is risen again and is seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for the saints, then there, if we believe that, then what we do have to believe is that no matter how deep my pain and my anxiety may run, we have to believe that that Jesus who is so powerful and, and suffered so much pain himself, so much suffering, is that he was a man well acquainted with sorrow and grief. Then he has to not only know what we're going through and understand, but he also has to have some amount of power to give us a hope in the middle of our pain and suffering, in the middle of our anxiety. So, so that's the assumption that, that I'm coming to this passage and this sermon with, and I think that this passage lays out for us. Uh, Peter's telling us, this is the really good news this morning. Let me cheat ahead of the good news. Peter is telling us that God has a way for us to deal with the deepest anxieties that we face. God has a way for us to deal with the deepest anxieties that we face. But what we're gonna see is that it might not be like, it might run counterintuitive the way that he says to deal with it. So here's what we're going to see this morning. First of all, God's hand brings our anxieties. Secondly, humbling ourselves brings freedom. And thirdly, God's care brings us higher. First, God's hand brings our anxieties. Humbling ourselves brings freedom. And God's care brings us higher. So I'm going to do this from my head until he gets the computer in here, and we're going to see how this rolls. So Peter is writing to these believers who are suffering, they're suffering pain, right? And as he's writing to them, he is, he's saying, like, this, you're feeling this anxiety, you're feeling this pressure. Look at what he says. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, uh, Peter's writing, he's, he's writing to bring them encouragement to these people who are hurting, who are feeling pain, who are feeling, they're feeling anxious because of the pain and the suffering that they're going through. But he uses this interesting phrase in here when he's talking to them, how should they respond to feeling the anxiety and the pressure and the pain that they're feeling? And here's the interesting wording that he uses. He says, humble yourselves, we're gonna come back to that, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Now, 
what's interesting about that phrase there is that phrase, under the mighty hand of God, or the mighty hand of God, is a phrase that would harken back to the exodus of God's people. When, when, when Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, which is what they had as Scripture at this time, when the Old Testament talks about the mighty hand of God, it, almost, it talks about the hand of God, but almost, when it uses the phrase the mighty hand of God, it almost exclusively uses it to talk about God's delivering of his people from the mightiest nation in earth where they were enslaved where they are under the hand of Pharaoh. And it says that, and over and over again, it says that the mighty hand of God came in and delivered God's people out of the mightiest nation on earth, which is something that the Jews and Israel celebrated, right? Hey, and we should celebrate too. Like, hey, God has a mighty hand to deliver us from our enemies, right? That is awesomely great news. And, the, and Israel would celebrate that. You see it throughout their psalms and their songs whenever they, and throughout scripture, God would remind them and they would remind each other, remember God's mighty hand and how he delivered us out of bondage in Egypt. Remember, remember that, remember that. But yet, it's interesting phrase here. Where is God's mighty hand pointed in this passage? Is it pointed to the, the enemies of God's people in this passage? No, it's pointed to God's people themselves. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Under, under your Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Where is the pressure being applied by God's hand? God's hand, God's mighty hand that had pressured Pharaoh and had pushed down and pressed on the mightiest nation on earth, the people of Egypt, until finally Pharaoh relented and released his people. I'm good now, Dale, thank you. Until he finally released Until he finally released God's people, the pressure came down on Pharaoh until finally he let them go. And what, what God is saying here is that God's mighty hand is pressing down upon you and upon me as believers the way that it pressed down on Pharaoh. The mighty hand of God is directed at us over God's people. And here's what Peter is saying through that. Our places of pain and pressure are the place for us as believers are a place where God's mighty hand is extended to us. Catch that. The places where you and I as believers, if you're a believer in Christ, the, place where, the places where you and I experience pain and pressure are the place where God's mighty hand is extended to us. And isn't that what anxiety is, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how many of you have, have dealt, I guess all of us in this room have dealt with anxiety and deal with anxiety at some point. Some of us are dealing with it right now. Some of us is huge, some of us is small, but we all go up and down ebb and flow of feeling pressure and pain of anxiety. And anxiety comes to us as pressure, right? It's like when you feel like pressed in, whether physically or, or inside your soul, because what you feel is like something has to happen and I can't make it happen. 
The pain of anxiety is the feeling like I have to do something that I don't have the power or the ability to do. And so when you feel that pressure of uh, this has to happen, whether it's like this bill has to be paid or I have to have this co- hard conversation with this friend or uh, that my marriage is, is incredibly unpleasant and I have to go home and I don't want to see her, or I don't want to see him, and I don't want to have this conversation or uh, that my kids aren't performing aren't the way that I need and want them to or I am 35 years old and no one is even seems to be interested in me at all and, and yet I long to be married, I long to have a child or I, I, I feel this pressure that I could be more and yet I can't, I can't ever seem to be or fulfill the promise that I feel that I have as a person. You feel this pressure and pain that is pushing on you and what causes the pressure is yet you feel this fear or this anxiety that I can't make it happen, this thing that needs to happen. And so we're caught in this vice of anxiety. We feel this anxiety, this pressure of anxiousness that pushes on us. It threatens to crush us. It, it threatens to overwhelm us. And what we want to do is kind of, we, we tend to kind of go back and forth between two things. One is we say, hey, I'm going to conquer this thing. Right? I feel anxious. I feel, I feel this overwhelming sense of anxiety. Well, I just got to be better and do better. If I work harder, if I double down on how I deal with my marriage, if I like, really apply myself to meet somebody and, and you know, you, I, I really am going to go to school, I'm going to really do whatever I can to help my career, to help myself, to help my relationships, this feel of anxiety. I'm going to prove to myself and to the world that I can conquer it, that I can overcome it. And you beat up against it and beat up against it until it finally kind of beats you back down, doesn't it? And you're left at some point like questioning who you are as a person, questioning your identity, questioning your value because you haven't been able to overcome this thing that keeps pressing upon you, this, feel, this thing that causes your anxiety. And let's be honest in this room, what causes you anxiety is not the same thing that causes me anxiety. Each of us have our own pressure points, don't we? And sometimes it's easy when we sit around and we're sharing maybe in community group or you're having coffee with somebody and they're sharing with you, and let's just be honest in this room, and they share you where they're feeling anxiety, where they're feeling pressure, they're feeling overwhelmed. You're like, that's it? But you know what? They're doing the same place where you share your place of anxiety and pressure to them. They're doing the same thing because it's not, it's every person has their own place where it's tender and we feel, and it presses and pushes down upon us. Sometimes we think we're going to conquer it. And sometimes we just give up or want to give up and let it take us. And we go down the dark abyss of anxiety and fear and depression. And I'm not minimizing that. That is a, that is a vice. You know what? It's not, it's, it is a vice. It is a whirlpool that pulls you down and you can't fight against that current whenever you get caught up in that. It presses down upon you. But here's what Peter is saying. Even in the midst of our anxiety and pain and pressure, he's telling us God is almighty through our anxieties. Hear that? You might be under the mighty hand of God, but it is the mighty hand of God that is over us as believers. And here's the encouraging thing, and 
it, this may sound like, this may echo to you as encouragement as a, from like, it's from 100 miles away, but, but here's the encouragement for you and for us this morning, that God is working in your heart and life through your fears and through your anxiety, through your pain and through your pressure. He is working in them. Listen to the wording. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. We're gonna get to this, but let's look at it in context. So that at the proper time, so that, so there's a purpose in what he's doing at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Here's the news. God so loves each of his children, that he has designed the places of pain and pressure and suffering that we experience. He has designed the pain and pressure that you are experiencing now and that you tend to experience in your life with a purpose. So I heard a sermon a few weeks ago by a guy named Colin Smith, and he was preaching on the passage in Mark where it says, if anyone would come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And he said that that part about picking up your cross, he gave this quote by a guy who said, God has one son who, with no sin, but he has no child with no cross. That he is so designed and laid at the fit of, foot of every single person who is a believer, your particular cross, your particular place of suffering to carry. And the reason, there's a reason. It's not, he's, not, he's, not, he's not a mean or angry God. The reason is so that on that cross, he can, we can kill and he can be a part of crucifying that part of ourself that kicks and screams against God's lordship and glory in our life. And what this is saying is that God has designed the places where you feel anxiety and pressure and pain uniquely so that God would help you crucify that part of your soul that kicks and screams against his lordship. Do you know where our anxieties and the pain and pressure hits all of us? It hits in the unique underbelly of our soul. That place that we tend to hold out from the lordship of Christ, that place of our deepest and greatest anxiety. And Peter says God is almighty through our anxieties, and then he says God is almighty, he's telling us God is almighty over our anxieties. He may allow certain things to press and push upon you that cause anxiousness and pain and pressure in our lives, but none of it is beyond his power or control. And it all has a purpose. It all has a purpose. God brings our anxieties. And then what Peter is telling us is that humbling ourselves brings us freedom. So God has designed your anxieties. God has designed the things that that push and pressure you and cause anxiousness in your heart and soul. But here's the truth that God doesn't leave you there. There's a purpose, and the purpose is to press and push each of us to an end of ourselves so that we will do what Peter says at the beginning of this passage, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, 
he may exalt you. What does Peter say to do whenever we feel the pain and pressure, when we feel anxious because that those things in our lives that, that, push, that push us and we feel caught in the vice between what I feel has to happen, but yet I don't have the ability or wherewithal to make happen. And what he says is that the pressure and pain comes in order for us to humble ourselves. It comes in order to humble ourselves. Because here's the point of this passage. Humility is the path to freedom. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Listen to this, casting all your anxieties on him. That means he's willing to take those anxieties. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The pain and the pressure comes to us in order to, to cause us to see our where we are fighting and pushing against him. You, you know, and I'm, not, again, not belittling or dealing ham-handedly with our anxiety and our anxiousness. But you know why we feel that anxiousness? Because we feel that we, this sense, underlying sense of pride that we can actually or should be able to overcome everything that comes in our way. Instead of submitting under the hand of God and trusting that for him, to take care of it instead of us taking care of it. Because the truth is, God's trying to teach us that we are really weak and we are really poor. We were not made to carry the load that we often put on ourselves and society puts on ourselves to be awesome and to be the hero of our own story. Jesus wants to free us of the need to be the hero of our own story by taking us to the end of ourselves so that we see that he's the hero. When, when uh, this just drove me crazy yesterday, Dale told me um, that he watched uh, the Avengers movie Infinity War last, uh, two nights ago without watching almost all of the prior Marvel movies, which just drives me crazy in my soul. And that's the way Dale is. He's just like, hey, I'm going to jump to the end, and we beat everybody there. You all had to watch 20 movies, and I watched the, the penultimate one, and you know, I got enough to, to go on, and then we'll watch Endgame, and we'll be good to go. And I just like, I just drive that, drives my soul crazy. But, but here's the question. Whenever you watch a superhero movie, who do you relate to? Do you relate to Iron Man or Captain America or Superman? I know he's not Marvel. Or do, or do you relate to the one who's being rescued and helpless by Iron Man or Captain America or Superman. Because that's who we are in life. We want to be a superhero. But Jesus is the only one, and we're the ones who are in need of saving. And that anxiety and pressure that we feel is a result of God's mighty hand pressing and pushing us on those areas where we think that we are independent and causing us to see our great need for him. Here's what humility, well, let's, let's, let's talk about how do we humble ourselves. In order to do that, we have to see what does humility actually 
look like? And so in order to see what humility looks like, because it, it's hard to, to nail what humility looks like because it's an absence of other things. So let's, let's look at a few things that Jonathan Edwards says that, 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 that humility is the absence of. First of all, uh, Jonathan Edwards says that humility is the absence of, of endless ambition or drivenness. When you and I feel driven or unendingly ambitious, that means that we are never content with where we are or what we have in life. And we always feel pushed or pressed or compelled from our soul to, to prove something. You know, many of us in this room, like, you're trying to prove something. And it may be to yourself. I want to prove that I am actually capable of this. Or you might be trying to prove to your mom or dad, I'm going to show them I actually can be. Like, they always were pushing me down. It was an unhealthy relationship. And I want to prove to mom and dad, I really can do this. Or I want to prove to the world. Or I want to prove to my wife. Or I want to prove to my husband. Or I want to prove to something. You want to prove something to somebody. And you are driven and compelled from something deep within you to prove something. And so you push and push and push to be the best in your family, in your neighborhood, in your career to hit all the marks that show that you are success. And no matter how, how many rings that you grab, no matter how many markers you cross, it's never enough, is it? You know, rich people don't take joy that they are wealthy. They take joy that they are more wealthy than somebody else. And we all do that, whether we're rich or not. It's all about comparison because we're driven to try to prove something from ourselves. We're performing to try to show that we're better than we actually in deep inside feel that we or are afraid that we are. Some of you are here are honest. You don't have to nod your head up or down. This is just between you and your God this morning. But how much of your life is performing to try to prove prove to yourself or somebody else that you are where you and you're actually your inner soul you're afraid that you aren't but yet you feel driven and that ambition and that drivenness causes us whenever we do achieve something to then look around at the people around us with arrogance and superiority because we're trying to prove something. And the only way that we can do that is in comparison to somebody else. Jonathan Edwards, uh, who was a great theologian in the, in the early American history, he, he also said that uh, a, a, uh, the opposite of humility is, is a, a prideful scornfulness. And that's when whenever we, we look down at people around us, we're always scorning the people around us in order to try to make ourselves feel better about who we are. We're scornful to the people around us. We're, we're, the, we're the ones who, that's, I, I'm, I'm in this camp. We're, we're, we're the ones who are like critical thinkers, right? We're, we're, we actually, we happen to be judgmental because us being able to judge the people around us and scornful to the people around us makes us feel better about ourselves. It's pride that pushes people around us down and it separates us from the people around us, doesn't it? If, if you deal with this, how many relationships, close relationships, that you have have been battered or bruised or severed by your scornfulness because you're trying to prove something about yourself. 
Edward said that drivenness and scornfulness are two elements of pride, but also willfulness. Hey, this is it's gonna be my way. We're the ones, like, if, if you fall in this camp, we're the ones who are discerning or uh, have a strong will or are, are somewhat picky about things. But, often, but really, oftentimes, that is simply willfulness because we want the world to revolve and be centered around us and we're trying to make it that way by making the people around us do what we want them to do. And if they won't do it, then I'll go out on my own and do it and I'll find some people and place them around me who will bow to my willfulness. Edwards also said that it's that uh, the opposite of humility or pride looks like a, a being self-conscious or being consumed with yourself. Always wondering, what does this look like to the people around me? How does this coming across? How am I coming across? Again, it's this picture of performing to try to prove that you're something, that you're deep in your soul, are afraid that you're not. And that's why, when we have this pride that's deep in our soul that, that comes out with drivenness and scornfulness and willfulness and being self-conscious then. Can you see how that presses then whenever, whenever I can't make things happen the way that I think they need to happen, then it causes this great deep anxiety within my soul because I'm wondering, like, what does this say about me? What does it say about me and my value if I can't do this, if I don't measure up? And what Peter's telling us is that whenever we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we find freedom to relax and be who exactly God made us to be and let God be exactly who he is. Because here's where humility comes. Humility comes by seeing God's power as compared to our power and by seeing God's care compared to our need. Humility comes by seeing God's power as compared to our power. Whenever I see God is incredibly powerful and mighty and I am not, I am not Iron Man, I am not Captain America, I am not Superman, I'm the one dangling by, from that cable off the side of that, that train over the river when this on fire, I'm that guy who needs somebody to come in and save him, who's helpless, who's just an extra in the movie that you never see again, that's me. I am not at the center of the story, I am the one in great need. But yet, whenever I also see my great need, I see his great care for me. He cares for you. Cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. He cares for us. You know what that causes us to do when we start to see God's power compared to ours and God's care compared to our needs? All of a sudden, we, we, we start to enter this beautiful place that's called humility, and you're not even aware that you're there because humility is not even conscious of itself, which is complicated. But humility is really, it's not thinking about yourself. It's not thinking less about yourself, but it's thinking less about yourself. It's not thinking less about yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. 
Whenever you see God's great power compared to yours and God's great care compared to your need, all of a sudden your attention starts moving away from yourself and starts moving to a different object, Christ. And all of a sudden, man, you start to experience freedom because whenever we realize that we are under God's hand, then all of a sudden we can throw, that's the picture, this cast your anxieties upon him or casting, which means that you continually do it, casting your anxieties upon him. You can throw it upon him. You can continually let go of the areas of pride and control that cause anxiety and you cast them upon him because you know, I don't have the power to fix this, and God does, and God has the great care and need to take care of it. Here's the good news for us, part of the good news. It's okay to feel anxious and anxiety. That's not what this passage or this message is saying. Because he doesn't say you should never feel anxious, does he? He says when you are anxious, when you feel anxiety, what do you do? You Remember you're under God's hand and you cast it continually upon him. It's okay to feel anxious and anxiety. The question is what do we do with it? And then how do we cast it upon him? By continually remembering who he is and who we are. Who he is and who we are. And, and, and how do we do that? Look at this, this last part of these two sentences in this passage. He says, humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God at the proper time he may exalt you. And then the end of verse seven, he says that we are casting our anxieties upon him because he cares for us. What is what is Peter saying here? Peter's saying that when we see God's care for us and his power towards us, then, then we are able to rest in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in and we have the courage to cast the cares away from us and place them upon Christ and let him deal with them. And that's a continual thing that happens. It says that he may exalt you. You know the picture there? It's not saying that he's going to make sure that you get the promotion at work or you get the recognition that you finally desire. What he's saying is to these believers who are suffering and to us, whenever we feel the pain and pressure upon us that cause anxieties, he says that whenever we submit ourselves or humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that we're gonna find that we are able to cast and throw our anxieties and care upon him because we know that at the proper time, he's going to exalt us. And what does that mean? That means that he is gonna one day wipe away every tear and every care from every eye and every heart and every soul. And we as believers, we're saying we are foregoing temporary relief from pain and pressure for everlasting relief from pain and pressure that is coming 
when Christ returns to make everything right. And how do we know that this can be true? How, how can we confidently give him those cares and anxieties? You're like, let's say, Randy, I, maybe I understand what you're saying. I'm kind of on board with you, but how in the world do I do that? How in the world do I cast my anxieties upon him? Well, first of all, he says we can do that because, because, here's how you can do it. This is what empowers you to do it because he, who is the he? It's the almighty creator God who spun the universe into existence, who upholds it by the word of his power. That's who that he is. It's also the he who emptied himself of the, of the glories of heaven and the glories that come with being God and became a man. It's looking, it's him who took the form of a lowly man. It's him who took the death that you and I deserved and paid the penalty that you and I deserved. It's him who rose again and is seated at the right hand of the Father and who is returning because he, that guy, that God, that man cares for you. If you left here today, I love, the, uh, I love that uh, episode of, uh, of Seinfeld where, uh, where Jerry's dating this like super hot blonde like model. And every time she gets in trouble, like um, the man walks up and she gets out of every single situation she's in. And so she and Jerry are going on a car trip and Jerry's like flying as fast as he possibly can on the road. And this cop pulls him over and Jerry's like, He's like, oh, you clocked me at 90? Oh, I, I was going slow then. I, was, I hit 120 back there before the curve. Like, you know, he's like saying, like, he's just doubling down on everything. I was being very reckless. Like, I didn't have, I don't remember what all, I didn't have a seatbelt on. Like, he's like, like, he's looking right at the cop by the road saying, you're right. I, he was even worse than you thought. Why? Because he knows he's got an ace in his pocket. Because when the blonde walks up and the cop turns to her, he just totally forgets what he's doing. And they get in the car and drive away. If you knew that you had a get-out-of-jail-free card, what would you do leaving here? If you knew that if, if Jeff Bezos called you today and said, you have an endless line of credit from me whenever you leave church today, what in the world would you do? You would do, some of you would do, if you're honest, I would do whatever in the world I wanted to do when I left here because I know I have an endless line of credit from a multi-multi-billionaire and nobody can touch me. Cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. He who has more power, more wealth, more wisdom, and more care for you than anybody in the world could imagine having, he cares for you. That word care means to think about, to be concerned about, to be anxious about, to give attention to, to take care of. You know what that means? Don't misconstrue this. That means... We can give God our anxieties because he is anxious for us. Not fretful, but because he's anxious, he cares deeply, is deeply concerned about us. You know how we get our attention off of ourselves? By seeing something greater. And when we see God's power towards us and we see his care towards us in Christ, all of a sudden, it starts to open the door. It's not a once for all thing, but it starts the process as we deal with our anxieties, as we deal with the fear, as we deal with the pressure that, we, that, that pushes down upon us. 
it causes us to be able to see a way out of being our own Lord and Savior and letting God be God and letting him love and care for us better than we can care for ourselves. Do you see that this morning? Do you see his great care and love stretched out to you in Christ this morning? Do you see his care for you pressed out in the way he cares and looks out for you from day to day and moment to moment in ways that you and I have no comprehension or understanding for? Could the God who created the universe, can he uphold your life? And can the God who gave his son for you do anything but care for you even in your darkest places of fear and anxiety. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.